justice system. So pretty much anybody that, well, lives in this country, I guess, probably knows somebody who has been through the legal system and has had some kind of injustice. So today we're going to be talking about one of those stories. Um, Jay, do you want to talk a little bit about Mr. Omar first and then we'll go to... uh, I mean, Miss go to his wife, Miss Karen, uh, and then some, and then some Mr. some Mr. of his brothers. Mr. Omar, uh, Mr. Omar has become like a. Uh, uh I mean, he's a really close friend of mine, but he's been like a mentor, almost like a uh, uncle type of thing. And, and you know, knowing that he's been incarcerated for forty-seven years for for something that he obviously didn't do because there's no evidence showing that he did it, and he wasn't there. But uh, it, it's it's important to me that I actually try to get him. A platform to try to get him out of that situation because that was something that I, I told him I was going to do when I when I was in there with him, and now that it's 2018, I'm, I'm still you know I'm, I'm doing fulfilling my obligation and continue to fulfill that obligation. But I mean, like, there's nothing that I can say that people don't already know about. But the thing about it is, what are people doing? That's why I want to really have this platform right now because I think it's got to be more access. 47 years, man. Enough is enough. 2018 is the time where the people got to start making the actions. I mean, we got Me Too movement going on. We got Black Lives uh, Black Lives Matter movement going on. Now we should have a Pro for Life movement going on slash bring um, Mr. Omar home movement. So I mean, like that's basically what I'm trying to do to the thing, Miss Karen. What you know? But I, because you said that he had started a lot of programs uh, in the prison. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, he started a gardening program. I mean, how many people thought they were going to go to prison to learn how to grow tomatoes and, and this, that, and the third? People, you know, instead of teaching people how to make shanks and knives and, and locks and socks and, and, and harm other people and stuff like that, he's teaching people how to go out there and be an asset to the community versus being a liability. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's, the, that's the most thing. I mean, the whole time he's been in, incarcerated, he's been an asset um, um, to, the, to the prison population because he's actually gotten guys to actually turn their lives around. Um, you know, you were telling me about Bernard Hopkins, the influence he had on him. You know what I mean? And those are names that we know about. You know, and I'm trying to get to that platform. Not boxing, but, you know, my own lane. But, you know, that's something where you can say I had an uh, influence on that guy. There's a lot of people that he's had influences on that may or may not reach back. I don't know. I know I'm reaching back. I'm doing my part. Mm-hmm. I can't speak for everybody else. I can only speak for me. But like I said, he had the gardener program. When I was there at Housedale, SEI Housedale, he had started Pilates. You know, he's really focusing on, on blood pressure and stuff like that because these are conditions that we inherited being in the, in the uh, environment that we in. Like mental illness is one of the top things that black men and women suffer from, from the racism that we deal with, not only with the uh, court system, but also just being out in public. I mean, when I'm going to a store, what are you following me around for? I got money in my pocket. These are the things, like I said, that Mr. Omar still has a good heart for. I would be bitter. This man's not bitter. Mm-hmm. This man is still being a humble and kind spirit. And, and um, so it really is an example. Now, Miss Karen, you were saying some, uh, you said he, he saved a few guards' lives. 
Yes, he, there was a couple situations that happened throughout the time he, he's been incarcerated there that uh, could have went a different way mm -hmm. had he not tried to get them out of harm's way when uh, uh, someone actually had an incident, some kind of physical incident like a, a, a attack, a stroke or something like that and then was able to get them to a safe area until the other guards could come in and, and, and revive him and, and get him the medical assistance he needed and things like that. Uh, there was another time where I think there was a blackout uh, in an area that wasn't so good for the guard to be in there by himself and I think and they made sure that he was okay until the lights and everything came back on and somebody else was able to get to the, come to the aid and stuff like that. Any opportunity and, and that's one of the things about my husband uh, that uh, I think is really special is that 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 he has a, a very special personality where he the, the loom and gloom he don't deal with that because it's not going to help anything it's the, 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 to help help you to get through a bad situation or to cope, develop or be able to function in the environment that you may be in is to have more of a positive attitude turn the negatives into positives and that's what he's called himself doing when he when he developed the boxing association of america uh, uh, back during, like I said, a very hard, crucial time in his life when he was going through that second trial trying to get this unjust, injustice thing overturned, you know, for him. Uh, but he was focusing on that. Like, and I was like saying to him, I said, well, you know, you, know, you're, you spend enough time on the trial or the BAA? He said, both. Because <laughs> they're both very important, you know, because helping other people to get through their issues as well, you know, it helped everyone, right. you know, it, it was a help to everyone, it contributed to that. So, um, uh, and the programs, the different programs he started, like I said, he, he was able to look at it from a perspective of how can this not only benefit us in here, but the outsiders, and he thought about the families trying to get up there to see their loved ones and right. so forth, and went on a campaign about the bus, they even had a, a reporter from the Daily News who is uh, famous for keeping his face covered and all that stuff. That, and you know, he's always writing reports about different things that happen on the public transportation. He just <laughs> unveiled himself and came in because you know they weren't gonna let him in with a mask on. And he came into the prison, Phantom Rider he was called, back in the Daily right. News. And he came into the prison and like all the guards said, oh, you the guy. <laughs> but anyhow, he came up there and they got hearings and everything and they got a bus that runs till today right. uh, up there uh, to Graterford to help not only families get up there you know, without the expense that other means would involve, but employees right. to get to work you know, up there. So uh, uh, just that amongst other things, so many things, uh, uh, the garden, uh, the boxing association as a tool, not just for the physical boxing, but the development of the individual into the various stages of the, the, that would take you through. You know, not just boxing, but management, entrepreneurship, uh, yeah, the, the theory of boxing class. I, I think I could talk more about that because he was a part of that. And, uh, and also victims compensation funds, he would start drives in there that that would uh, send funds to someone who maybe had some special needs that you may have heard about in the newspaper 
or whatever, or if someone brought somebody to somebody in the family to his attention and that kind of thing. So it, he's a very special individual. He was before he was incarcerated. He was a, a family man, a business an entrepreneur, a community activist person, and and that never changed from the day that they stopped him, picked him up. Uh, January of 1970. Yeah, he told me a story. <laughs> I'll never You know, so it looks like he's calling, so let's hear from the man himself. Go ahead, Mr. Omar. So we've been talking to your family about, um, well, pretty much about you. So why don't you tell us, you know, a little bit more about yourself and, uh, you know, your story. Conviction 
uh, unit here in Philadelphia in front of the current uh, DA's uh, office. And we're waiting for that response. However, in the meantime, we're putting on a demonstration in front of the DA's office, the 31st, the, the session that's happening today. We hope that that's a lead up to the events that we have planned. And we hope that some of the folks that come out today will also be a part of that. My wife, Karen Ali, has currently made up signs to that effect uh, for the 31st. And we welcome anyone who feel that justice has not been done once they get an opportunity to read some of the documents that give credence to my unjust and incarceration since 1971. With that said, I open up for any inquiry. And you have all that documentation, right? Like you can get that so I can put that on, you know, um, the, our, the Facebook page and everything like that, correct? So everybody can see that. Absolutely. That, that is not a problem. It would be our pleasure to make sure that you receive that. As a matter of fact, I believe my wife is going to give you a CD today yeah, with, the, uh, with the with one of my former attorneys, the former investigator, and the former... Uh, DA on my co-defendant and any other additional information that we believe will enhance or fortify the position, I assure you that you will have that uh, as soon as possible. Okay, perfect. Because what, what I'm going to do is I'll put any links to the um, any links in the show notes and I'll also put that on our Facebook page, the pop-off with Martise and on uh, our Twitter and Instagram at Martise M. So that way anybody that's listening to the show will have access to that if they uh, want, you know, want to go see that. And anything else that you believe that you think that can enhance what is already being said or done, please uh, feel assured that you're welcome to make the inquiry. And um, you also have a... Um, a legal fund. Anything? Do you want to um, yes. give your information on that so anybody that wants to help out can uh, can help you out? Oh, absolutely. We have a legal fund on the Go Get Funding, uh, and my wife could possibly uh, probably give you the information, but I'll send that information as well to you so that anyone that uh, would want to be a part of that we deeply would be deeply appreciated. As a matter of fact, you can go to gogetfunding.com Omar Ali. All right, yes, perfect. And that'll walk you through that. Okay. Process, yeah. All right, Mr. Omar, is there anything else that you want to add and then we're going to keep well, talking I just to you with your family? I just want to tell you that I deeply appreciate uh, Jay and your input and I uh, I look forward to us having dinner extremely. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> hey, you gonna make me a bean pot, right, Mr. Omar? Oh, uh, you better believe it. You still owe me a bean pot. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Not a problem. All right, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hand you back to your wife. I have Brother Wazir here. Yeah. And, and and Lala, I told him who's the, the, the electronic genius in our in our in our family who has assisted us with different things. Brother Abdullah, Malik, and um, did I leave anyone? I don't want to leave anyone out. 
there was another brother who was one of the first referees down here at Holmesburg. But they all came because they wanted to be here and be supportive of our effort. And, you know, and that, uh, we appreciate that so much. And, and we attribute that to all the things that you have done uh, this whole time of, of unjust incarceration that you've endured for over 47 years. But the things that you have done have, that have made a difference, not just inside of the institution, for people while they were in there trying to get through that situation, but things that they could even extend to the, their outside once they come home. And, and character in the community and things like that to give back. And every one of them speaks of, of that kind of relationship, having that kind of relationship with you. And, and, uh, and uh, we really appreciate them for, for being here and being a part of this. Absolutely, no yeah. problem. And I thank them very much. Yes. Tell him that I spoke to uh, the commissioner. Oh, yes. Ahmed just informed today. me that he spoke with uh, David Owens. Uh, at the, uh, just before he came here, and he's very interested in being involved in some way. Yes, yes. Ahmed. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and he thanked he thanked him for how much he he helped him. He he <laughs> said he thanked you for how much you helped him. Uh, you know, doing that tenure down there at at uh, at Holmesburg, and at that time at that time I don't know if many of you know. But he was undergoing, uh, going through the struggle of the second trial because he had, he had been through the first trial where they had systematically excluded African Americans from the, from the jury. And it was overturned. It was overturned because you can't do that. That's unconstitutional. And it was overturned based on, those, on that, that issue. And uh, and when they and then when they had the second trial, they repeated the same action with process. Barbara Christie and and what was the judge's name? Uh, the, the, the Sabo. 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 They repeated the same thing. And while he was going through this trial, knowing they were setting it up similar to for the same objective, he c contributed. To, he was contributing to the unrest that was going on in Holmesburg Prison by developing the Boxing Association of America, mm -hmm. which was a to stabilizer in that community and save lives and all of that. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a team member right over here talking about it. So, <laughs> yeah, so, you know, those are some of the injustices uh, that, that occurred and the shenanigans that occurred during the, the trial phase of his entire incarceration. At, at that second trial, they also, we uh, a informant the, the issue about an informant being involved in in that um, put him in the a lineup being him him being thought of uh, we we found out that we didn't find out well his attorney no the co-defendant's attorney brought up the issue mm -hmm. and they they didn't want to talk about it they mm -hmm. kind of covered it up instead of speaking on it but. We found out from the Freedom of Information Act, I think it was right, that uh, an informant did exist, and that, and you have a right. Yeah. To, you have a right. The defense has a right to know every piece of evidence right. and that they're that using the against you, that the DA DA has in this possession, and what they're going to use against you. And so we didn't even find that out. And but uh, Brother Wazir, I believe uh, you and and there's an article in the final call. 
that he is involved in putting together with all the documentation about how these things went um, that was published uh, a few months ago. Yeah, Okay. Yeah. So these are things that people can see for themselves. They can go back in archives and, and in our uh, uh, literature, it directs them how to go to these things where they can see this information. Right, right, that's right. Michael Muhammad, yes, that's right. Yeah, but you were very instrumental in it. We, uh, we, I had a, this is uh, Celine. Uh, Omar, no, I had a uh, conversation uh, with uh, the district attorney, Krasner. Oh. And one of the things that we uh, was talking about, not only was we talking about uh, eligibility for lifers, uh, but we talked about the contributions of those who have life sentences have been proven, mm -hmm. that have came out on the street and have been productive uh, role models. Uh, if you go back to the case, and I brought this to Crash's attention, Tukey Williams, who was a, a former gang leader who was a crip, um, we believe that um, he would have been very instrumental in being able to show the youth um, to get around gang violence because him and himself was a gang leader and, and was very strong in representing the Crip. But here it is, we found out that here it is Arnold Schwarzenegger who 90% of all his TV uh, uh, endorsements and, and, and movies was all about gun violence. Mm -hmm. uh, 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 he, everything that he did promoted gun violence, but he killed Tukey Williams. He agreed with giving him a death mm -hmm. We, um, Krasner strongly believes that the, uh, those who have been down 30 and 40 years right. should have a second chance. Right. Omar is one of the individuals that uh, I have strongly been communicating uh, with him about. And what I'm trying to do so hard um, is, is connect across uh, the T's and dot the I's, meaning bringing Omar and Krasner being able to talk. I don't know if we're going to be able to do it by way of a three-way conference, but I am working on strongly uh, him being able to sit down and communicate um, with Omar. Um, he knows the sensitivity of the case that's surrounding uh, uh, the situation. Uh, he know about the corruption of, of police. Mm -hmm. um, and he has so far he have so far uh, leaned towards um, wanting to have a, uh, some kind of conference yeah, call or dialogue yeah. uh, with Omar. Um, um, I have a, uh, another meeting with, with him, uh, Jenny Blackwell, and um, uh, oh God, I can't I don't remember his name. Kirby. Jordan Harris. Oh, Jordan Harris. Uh, and Jordan Harris. Um, you know, um, uh, so uh, once uh, they give me the uh, the updated date that we're going to have this meeting, um, then I'll be able to give you some more information. But I just want Omar to know that so far he's leaning towards uh, wanting to have a three-way conference call with uh, you know, Omar about, this, you know, about the case and about the uh, situation that he's in prison. Right. Well, we have, we have been in touch with uh, his office with the first assistant district attorney who is really in charge of this division, the integrity something unit. I forget the middle word. But anyhow, uh, and uh, his name is uh, Robert Listenby. Right. And I actually hand carried some, the, a whole pamphlet on Omar's issues and, and the documentation along with it down there. So he got it, he, he did get the, the packet. Uh, and he returned my call. He spoke with me and said that it would be reviewed because there's someone, you know, they hand stuff down to other people, you know. 
right. uh, and who is who's specifically dealing with that division and uh, uh, she's reviewing it. I also have some other information to take to her, but it's not moving fast right. enough as far as, so uh, other supporters out there who can make a difference call and, and, well, and bring an issue up could make it something happen a little faster. I did talk to Antoinette. I did talk to um, you know, um, Omar's daughter. Um, yeah. And I'm aware of the fact that you know there's a somewhat um, turtle um, um, situation going on as far as movement. Um, but I do believe that once you have the necessary people of large groups, yes. um, as far as organizations, um, people that's now being involved, that's why you know uh, we had we say Sister Claire Muhammad is a large uh, Islamic group, mm -hmm. um, and now we're starting to collectively somewhat organize and come together to bring forth some kind of solution mm -hmm. to uh, Omar's situation, mm -hmm. um, where before it was like individual spurts, little group here, a little mm -hmm. group here, little group over here, a group down there, but now it's like, it's starting to come together. Yes, well we would like to come together, be one of the things is a rally, we're, we're anticipating a rally on uh, August, I believe the 31st, mm -hmm. we'll, have, we'll be putting information out on that uh, at the district attorney's office, you know, uh, with some demands about, you know, them reviewing and what are they going to do, you know, that kind of thing, what we need, and so forth, to look at this case, because there's so many factors that uh, Krasner's office, and he came into office talking about, and like you said, he's been showing pretty good, you know, yeah, you just space at the beginning, yeah, you, you got you know, um, and, and you got to support some of these issues, because they're not that popular with other people, so we got to kind of support them well, behind it. One of the things that I'm but, seeing is that, um, the eligibility for uh, lifers um, with parole, the bill that they um, is now promoting. I think that in some of the meetings that I've set in on, um, people don't understand that, you know, the heart they live in is all different organs, but they're part of the same body. Right. And with, when I try to get people to understand, when I went on the campaign for Meek Mills, um, the Free Meek Mills campaign, you know, people were saying, well, you know, Meek Mills, that situation is more. I said, but no, but it deals with injustice. Injustice is injustice. Yeah, right. And once you get the people to see that it's all part of the same situation, if Meek Mills' situation shows that a judge has been unjustice, then it shows that the injustice goes on inside of that structure. Right. So whether I'm using Meek Mills, whether mm -hmm. I'm using Omar, or whether mm -hmm. I'm using... Um, um, someone in greatest form who's supporting uh, the bill eligibility for life is, is all part of the injustice that goes on. So I think that that's one of the major uh, situations that we're facing, and that is getting people to understand that we are part of the same organization. It's the same situation, injustice being able to free those and the eligibility for those who have been down 20 and 30 and 40 and 50 years. Um, you know, um, and being able to get that second chance. And I think that, that once we get the people to understand that, hey, listen, I'll come to, to Meek Mill's rally. I'll come to uh, Greatest for Life and for Elementary for Parole. I'll support Omar. Uh, I'll support the Netflix because it's all a part of the same situation. And I think that when we sometimes um, um, spiritual gang war uh, mm -hmm. with each other, we don't get what we need to get um, done um, collectively. Ernie Create and a few other, you know, strong legislative uh, senators and stuff like that who 
who will be having these meetings, um, once we get them to understand, hey, listen, injustice is injustice. Right. You know, and so if we can do it for Meek Mills, we can do it for Omar. If we can do it for Omar, we can do it for eligibility for Rikers and Grades 4. And I think that once we start swinging on that kind of uh, merry-go-round, people will start coming forward and say, hey, I'm willing to help. Hey, I'm willing to help. Hey, I'm willing to help. You know, and then you start reaching the uh, mass organization uh, Omar uh, was a member uh, of the Nation of Islam. He was a, uh, he was a Muslim. And so uh, that um, structure uh, is aware. The Abu Minister Louis Farrakhan is aware of the fact of Omar's situation. Um, and the Nation of Islam, for those uh, Brother Wazir and for those who have been amicably communicating with inside the structure of um, the Nation of Islam, because Omar's rappy um, co defendant. Um, I mean, who had strong influence with inside the nation, uh, was able to give information and bring back to life Omar's situation and being able to um, show some light as to Omar being incarcerated for over 40 something years um, with you know, that kind of situation. So, to have Sister Claire Muhammad, the, the various news organizations, the various Muslim communities come together and somewhat start spearheading. Omar's situation, taking funding, trying to get lawyers paid and donations, it helps because we got the first now to start doing it with ourselves. Because right now we have uh, we have uh, the issue before the Supreme Court. We have um, retained uh, an attorney, uh, uh, McDonald, uh, Shannon McDonald, who has uh, that issue. The the you, you know our our rights for the for the all white jury. Uh, were dropped, not our rights wasn't dropped, but the, mm -hmm. the issue was dropped uh, by the, the uh, representative, the attorney that we had at that time against Omar's, you know, telling her, uh, writing everything, telling her, telling her to maintain that issue, maintain it, and she nevertheless dropped it anyhow. And she knew that that was a strong point for his release. He could have been released back in the 90s if she had not done that, yeah. And uh, she even said, she even said, and we have letters that shows where, you know, she knows she did wrong. So I'm saying, pretty much out of yeah. fact, you want to apologize. No right. did wrong. And, and that's the thing that really makes you mad. Yeah. Because, you know, it's too late now mm -hmm. because the process is already mm -hmm. done. Yeah. You, know, you can't say oops and then they just let yeah. you know you gotta go yeah, because I was in, I happened to be in an elevator with her downtown. Right. Um, I guess it was in her building that she's in, and I, I got in afterward. I really didn't see her, and I'm standing up there front, front. And so when she came by me, she looked at me and she says, she speaks to me, and I said hello. She said I was concerned whether you were going to speak to me after the mistake that I had made with uh, your husband's case, and. Uh, uh, I don't remember exactly what I said, but it was me and his daughter who right. <laughs> said something to her. But I went back, I, you know, I shared that with Omar. So she even recognized the fact yeah. how serious that was, the position she put us in, you know. And then now it's what, like, yeah. almost 30 years Well, that was, that was, that was, uh, how long ago was that? Yeah, I remember you said the paper from, the, like, the 80s, I thought it was. Uh, like, you said the paper it was in the, it was in the, in the 90s, I think, okay. when she dropped it. Yeah, it right. was in the 90s, yeah. Because he said it because he always sends me a whole bunch of paperwork right. to let me know what's going on, what the, what the uh, situation mm -hmm. is, and stuff mm -hmm. like that, trying to stay relevant. 
Uh-huh. And that's the, that's the biggest thing that we always preach about to be within the cell is how to find a way to stay relevant. Well, he says, that he, also, he had sent me an email, and he said that uh, currently the appeal is in the Superior Court, and, and then also about, uh, just piggybacking on what he was saying about the DA's integrity unit, uh, and then the New York Innocent Project. They're, all of them are looking at his case because there's a lot of validity. I mean, the, the proof is in the correspondence right. and and that's right yep. and 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 another thing that he found out through another article uh, years later that the police officer who had actually put set up the lineup and uh, put the case together on him uh, had been convicted of uh, being a drug dealer uh, hooked on drugs himself right. he lost his position at the Philadelphia Police Department and everything, and was doing time in state prison. And, you know, and this was, and that happened during the second trial, and he, they, they never were privy to that information. And yeah. how, much, how much we got to do it? 47 years. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That man's been incarcerated. 47, listen, let me tell you, I did seven. And I can only imagine what 47 would do mm-hmm. mentally. And like I said, him, he's always... He, he's well, he's, he's trying to keep his mind outside of right. the prison by being involved in different well, positive he things. Started, he started the garden. The organic program. garden, which we started a boxing association, which yes. is brother here going to tell us about. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about, you know, the mentoring that he's done in there. I mean, there's not a reason why he shouldn't be If you don't want to overturn the case, then we give for all. It's even, supposed to be probably going to take yeah, it's supposed to be. That's why it's That's difficult to call it a correctional institution. It's difficult to call it a correctional institution for me because there's no correction going on. All right, Brother Wazir, you were going to... Oh, I just wanted to chime in and, and just talk about Omar. The Omar I've known since I've been dealing with this situation. And I'd like to commend his wife, Sister Ali, uh, for her strength, but you know, Brother Omar, he reminds me of uh, he, parallel to Nelson Mandela, really in in his in, in his strength and and his ability to uh, see beyond you know negativity and and know that and his belief, his spiritual belief, his faith in Allah has guided him to stay strong, to stay healthy. He has a, a very he's in a very positive frame of mind. And, you know, even though he's been incarcerated for 47 years, he's still able to um, give us inspiration here on the outside just to, just to keep us smiling and keep us thinking, well, hey, man, you know. If, when I asked him, I said, how's all things going up there? But he said, oh, you know, could be better, you know, but uh, d- depends on the circumstances. Yeah, the right. circumstances I'm in, some, something similar to that. Yeah. So, it, you know, this, this is a fight, it's a legal fight, and it's been going on for years and years, decades. So it's, it's important that we understand that in order for us to do anything, unity is important, but also money is important. So we need, we, we have a legal fund, we have a GoFundMe that's set up, we have, uh, we're pulling our resources together in order to pay for the attorneys and, and the legal fees that are necessary to get him uh, discharged. And we're asking um, everybody to get, um, get all the information uh, that you can, um, and you can contact his wife, 
Sister Karen Ali or, or others, and uh, we'll get that information to you. But it's important that we put our money where our mouth is. You know, this is a lawyers, attorneys are very costly. Right. Just, just yes. investigators. Uh, just, just to go up for a, a lawyer to go up to uh, where he's incarcerated. It's about a thousand dollars a day. Mm -hmm. So this stuff is not not cheap, and we need everybody's help. Whatever you can donate it, donate from a dollar to a hundred thousand dollars. It's needed, and we want to thank all those who've been involved. And um, yeah, just just stay strong and realize that we've got a special individual that's incarcerated, and we need to get him out. Absolutely. We need to get him out, and we need to um, go ahead and focus on on. Get him out and focus on some of the other things. Yeah, some of the other things. Yeah. He changed his own home before he went to a grade for it. I was running the gym, and I met him then. He's a youngster. He's very positive. Very positive. And I used to train him, you know, back then, you know. So that was a real experience for me. And uh, then I did visit him once or twice, and that's been 40 some years ago. And, uh, but, but I always remember him because he was always a positive, shining example, even then, when he didn't have this kind of um, fanfare going, you know. Yeah, so, I personally been knowing uh, Omar uh, since I was 18 years old. Oh, wow. So 50 years uh -huh. I've been with him. I'm 68. And uh, uh, can I give all of it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, no, I thought he was home. Yeah. Uh, so one, one, of his, one of his achievements can I can I include you too? In his yeah. achievements? Can you quote yeah? Include <laughs> meeting and things like that and all the things that he was doing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Great. Let so, us, uh, ain't no ain't no restrictions. Please talk. They they, they, they tell me I'm comfortable with the mic. They tell me Uncle Ahmed talk too much. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's it. That's that microphone there for the podcast, uh, brother. Okay. Yes sir. Uh, okay. Lighten us. Yeah, what you were saying just now uh, <clears throat> in regard to his arrest, his wife knows, uh, I remember the morning, uh, he lived right up here in Germantown area, and he was about to take his children to school. He's right off of Pulaski in Berkeley. And uh, Omar would always line his children up, and his daughter and his sons, they would be in line. It was about eight, eight or nine of them, right? Nine. It was nine, of, yeah. He has a big Cadillac because he needed a bigger car to be able to put all of them into. And so we were, school was at 3754 Germantown Avenue, mm -hmm. right there at Butler, Germantown and Butler. And, uh, well, he never got there that day because that was the day he was arrested. And uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of history and things that go on in his life. I'd like to speak about the more complimentary things, I hope. Okay. Uh, so... Uh, this is, this is the Boxing Association of America. That's one of the things that he started. And again, like everyone who speaks so highly of him in his regard for helping people, 
in me. And uh, there's another thing that he mastered. Uh, it was a book he always carried around in his pocket by Dale Carnegie called How to Win Friends and Influence People. Uh, he got me on that book. <laughs> so, I actually have three copies of that book. <laughs> well, that's, that's what he was always teaching yes. the men around him. And the men around him that he was teaching at the time, uh, well, in the Nation of Islam, you know what I mean? And uh, we were taught that the white man was the devil. Mm -hmm. So you were in an environment where you're incarcerated and you're locked down and anything could happen to you. Right. So there was a certain behavior that young men couldn't have, you know what I mean? Uh, you definitely couldn't be hostile, but that's not what the Nation of Islam taught us, that we were never to be aggressive, right. okay? So all the things that were paramount in our teachings religiously and in the Nation of Islam, he was always very, very uh, strict, mm -hmm. strict in enforcing that. Uh, so, uh, in 1979, I lived in Chicago, and I came back to Philadelphia in 1979. I was there from 75 to 79. So, I also wanted to do things to help people, so I had a store, a business on Germantown Avenue at uh, 2612 Germantown Avenue between Lehigh and Huntington. So I happened to open up a business there, a store, and uh, a brother who had had the store before, he went away. Uh, I started working there. And uh, I was about 25 years old then. This is a picture of where I was at. <laughs> and I also, uh, I hired some other people to work for me. <laughs> no, I don't go there. <laughs> I'll be historical. I'll tell you your side of the story. A person is best known by his history. <laughs> you don't know his history, you don't know where he came from. That's right. You don't sitting over there 47 years later. <laughs> you ain't leaving. You know he deserves all of you and everything that we're doing here today. So if it wasn't for you, you wouldn't have nobody necessarily putting commissary on the books or visiting all those trips you done took, you know, to make sure that your husband was in the right place. There were healing sessions for me as well. Come deep. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Okay. So I was about, it's in, uh, see, 1979. So I started a business on Germantown Avenue. That's the year I was born. Oh yeah? Yes, sir. All right. I called it neighbor, Neighborhood Business Services. Okay. So I wanted to help the people in the community, senior citizens, so I studied real estate, I studied, I got my real estate license and, and uh, I learned how to uh, do things, that do rebates for senior citizens and taxes and things like that. They're just life of service. Right. I'm not saying anything less, but Brother Omar is uh, like my uh, senior. Just like this uh, shape right here is for all of us. And uh, <coughs> they're seeing things that they want it to be our future, mm -hmm. that's not the history of things that went on. So Omar, uh, this is where my office was, but I had somebody used to work right across the other side of me at another desk. <laughs> so she was assisting. Uh, so we tried to help young students during the summer to have jobs. Right. And uh, they, they would come out and they would apply for jobs mm -hmm. and you didn't have to pay them. So what you were able to do is give them an opportunity during the day and uh, they would come to work. So I happened to have this sister in there working 
she was taking care of all the little young girls and they came there and looking at their little class <laughs> and what they had to do. So uh, we got a lot of phone calls. <laughs> so I wasn't over there to answer the phone. So I couldn't answer the phone because I'm out moving around and coming back. So uh, somebody used to call me on a pretty frequent basis, you know what I mean? And uh, so I, she'd always have my messages and everything when I came in from, from Brother Omar, you know what I mean? Brother Omar, Brother Omar called, Brother Omar called. <laughs> so uh, I didn't know uh, those calls was kind of frequent. <laughs> I always had my messages. <laughs> so, uh, but Sister Karen was working in my office with me in uh, when I started, when we started to work on uh, the Boxing Association of America. So uh, I had did my little business that I thought was profitable called uh, Neighborhood Business Services to help people. But his broad, broad vision for helping people where he was at was more limited. Right. Okay, which means he was dealing with incarcerated men, okay, guys who had had problems that needed to correct themselves, a real correctional officer, right. a true correctional officer, who knew how to deal with young men, okay, and <laughs> uh, he wasn't no soft tissue either, nah. so he had the heart to deal with what had to be done to get mm -hmm. them together, and that's what he did. So he started the Boxing Association of America, so this was the first uh, corporation that was non-profit, his wife and I set up on October the 26th, 1981. So this is available to him now, and uh, we formed this corporation, and uh, it's still active, there's no problems with it, and these are the ones that uh, Brother Wazir is talking about, the opportunity to raise funds for Omar, could be begin to begin to put things through. A non-profit organization that, that people want to do. You know, I'm saying you always talk about the boxing stuff. Well, this is well, this is what I thought. I go to school for business administration. Okay. And uh, what I told that you know, there's no person. Oh yeah, we need some fresh legs uh, in there. Well, I said, well, that's I was like, what's going on? You know? right. And that's why brother brother is yeah. saying this is going. This is what's going to take. Right. Financially, sometimes. because it's that could work. Right. So this is his. This is his. He gave birth to this. Mm -hmm. And the other advantage is that uh, I spoke to a gentleman today. Uh, he was a former commissioner in the state of Pennsylvania, David Owens. And I called him to let him know that we're doing things, you know, in regard to Omar assisting him. So uh, he was very, very pleased to hear from me. And uh, yeah, he's, he's always there and available. His wife stays in touch with him. He's in Camden now. He's a warden over there in Camden Prison. And Four years? Yeah, yeah, he's right over there. Mm -hmm. He's in Camden? Where, right over there. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Camden County Jail? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a bit, uh, oh, once is, uh, yeah. Once is, 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 yeah. Okay, as a correction officer back in the 70s, correction officer, the corporal, the sergeant, the lieutenant, became a captain, and then he went on, you know, superintendent, you know, the prisons infill, secretary, then he went, uh, became the uh, commissioner. Yeah. So when Omar was working on this, Boxing Association of America, 
there was another historical thing that took place. They were able to make history uh, with David Owens, knowing him and knowing the quality that he had and the things that he'd done right there in Holmesburg, okay, when this was all formed. He uh, allowed Omar, a life prisoner, to leave Bradleford Prison with his boxing associate program and came to Philadelphia to the what you call the Blue Horizon. No, no, the Civic Center. The first one was to the Civic Center. Yeah, the Civic Center. Okay, all right. Okay, then. So correct. Okay. I will correct me. Uh, oh, did he? Oh, yeah, sonny, yeah. Oh, okay. Sidney, I went to go box in the army. He was my trainer. I told him. I said, man, this is what I want to get cut. Uh, I told you we need a history. Okay. Well, you got to bring the history to bring, you know, you got history. Or you, all this. I fought in college. You know Brother Mr. Collins? Yeah, I fought, I fought the guy mm-hmm. from Jimmy Mays uh, from East Germantown. He was a chief champ. And uh, I fought him and I beat him in Holmesburg. Mm-hmm. I, I beat him in Jimmy Mays. He was one of the guys where I think the plane was flew and the guy got killed in a plane crash. Well, he was a somebody. He didn't go in that plane crash. Mm-hmm. So I fought him in uh, Holmesburg. Right. And, uh, and I beat him. And then I was, I was, they were sending me out to uh, to, uh, to uh, Pacific Center. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think I was like, like 10 and all. I think I was like 10 and all. Okay. Well, that was uh, that was historic. That yeah, was very. Yeah, it and uh, mm-hmm. and also, of course, uh, what's his name? Uh, Bernard Hopkins. Yeah, Bernard Hopkins. Yeah, I was going to mention him too. Howard Cosell came down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I seen the picture. Yeah, what you call his mother, Mrs. Fletcher, Frank. Frank the Fletcher. Yeah, he was at Holmesburg too. Frank was. Yeah, he was at Holmesburg. She refereed my fights. Yeah. And Mr. Omar can still throw them hands, man. Oh, Listen, man, I was in the cell. He was teaching me some stars. Yeah. You know, we can climb the kick pillows up and he's a good guy. And he's like, we was, we was <laughs> up. One of the most beautiful uh, things about uh, that whole See, you know, um, you're talking about guys who uh, was able to transform a talent of aggression um, to make a living. Um, Bernard Hopkins, prior to uh, when people may not understood, there was a, a massive um, gang problem in the city of Philadelphia, which at that time was mm-hmm. JBM and yeah. you know the shower policy and all that, mm-hmm. and it was mass killing. What what I mean and them had did, they came up with a plan, and the plan was mm-hmm. how could we somewhat get in prisoners stop some of the gang. Killings, the sisters' killings in the street. So what he did was he went back to some of the individuals who they claimed to have been immolated, um, who was allegedly a part of uh, 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 the notorious street gang. Mm-hmm. Um, they at uh, that time, which was Sam Christian, um, uh, uh, Shams, uh, they came and they met with a woman by the name of Maddie Humphrey. Yeah, she and was on the radio. Humphrey at the time was a, a broadcaster of a radio. WDS. WDS. Yeah. So they had a meeting with her and they said, listen, this is what our ideas are. We want to take the guys who they look up to, guys who can, can, can have influence in the street, 
and we want to see send each one of our individuals. Sam, he got South Philly. That was Suleiman and mm -hmm. all of them down there that were part of JBM Fracture. We was warring with uh, the JBM at that particular time. Mm -hmm. And Shams, you know, you got North Philly. And so they came up with the thing and said, listen, we already have uh, um, Don King. Don King agreed and said, okay, fine. You know, I'll come on board and I'll promote Bernard Howard. Um, this was like, we had another guy by the name of Jeff Gannon at that particular time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, uh, and they said, listen, um, our thing is, we, it's no more going to be no more killing. So Aaron and them agreed. They said, all right, fine. You know, we're going to call this off. And what we're going to do is, we're going to get into boxing. Because Omar and them came up and said, hey, listen, these guys in jail can box. And we, these guys can be champs. And they were more so concentrating in that particular time at Bernard Hopkins. Mm -hmm. And so they had agreed to this. And uh, Maddie said, okay, fine, what we're gonna do is, we're gonna blow it out the water. We're gonna have a major uh, broadcast. We're gonna have it live inside of Grades 4 Prison. Um, so um, they had the boxing inside of Grades 4 Prison. I'm about to go back to where he actually had called call, call room. Uh, well, uh, you know what? <laughs> and it, it was lovely, but, but it was lovely. Excuse me, I'm sorry. I don't, you know, to my recollection, there was two different things, a couple things went on with boxing. It wasn't all under one program, but the boxing, so because the Graver had a team of their own, the state team, and stuff like that. But really, we're focusing on the boxing section that Omar was developing, and, and along with uh, Brother Ahmed and, and Brother Maggie, uh, 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 and some of them us were the lending their expertise to developing that. Uh, and it was a little different approach and different reasons it was set up. Uh, so that may have been like a big picture, overall big picture for maybe the state system, but at Holmesburg, it kind of, it was a lot of, you're, you're right, there was a lot of unrest because of the influence of the outside, the, the gangs coming into the prison and so forth. And they were staying locked down almost every day and that kind of thing. And and they were really looking for a way just to calm that whole environment down so that they, the, the guards' lives weren't at risk, the uh, prisoners' lives weren't at risk, and that just so they could come out and have, have their meals outside of the cell and just things could operate as normal as possible. And because of Omar's background, because he was professional boxing before he went to jail as well, as well. And, uh, and his expertise in the training and so forth, and also in his character is why he was allowed to implement a program. And it didn't start off boxing, actually. It was started off cal cal uh, calisthenics, where they could do workouts and things like that just to release that stress. And it was going, it was going well. It was really going well as far as keeping the calm and the peace in the institution so that there wasn't that fear of, you know, you know other things are going on, but this is what this one was being developed to do. And because of the good, the, the, the positiveness of what was happening with that program, there was no infractions. Anyone who participated had to be infraction-free, you know, and, and uh, cooperative. They even had to sign a waiver 
that said that uh, I don't know if they got if they got hurt. We go back. I don't know if you know, but we go. Me and you go way yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. We go back I, I to when Omar was uh, in, in Chester yeah. when he kicked him out of Chester. I met you down there. We talked. Okay, and was well, out that there was with the like, news media. That was yeah. like ten years after yeah, I met you. So right. The then we, uh, I was there yeah. uh, when we did the yeah. fundraiser right around the corner over here with Angela. That situation when I was more so more so saying after you clear all that stuff out, I was more so saying how boxing, Omarism approach to use boxing as a form of skill that it was so exactly. powerful that it was able to stop. Because if you remember when he was at when he was at Greaterford after he was transferred uh, you know, up to Greaterford after his, the trial was over and the sentencing and all that stuff. I slept next to and they had, when they had him up there and actually he was at, he was on the outside because he yeah. was he was considered in what do you yeah, call it? He was, he, was, he was in the trailers. Yeah, I, they allowed him in the trailers because I, he the, you know he I, to, to right now, I'm still, so, in, I'm still in contact yeah. with Janetta. I'm, I'm still in the nation. Yeah. Um, I know Hassan. I know son. Uh, he I calls know. me every day. I, um, I go back to his other brother, Omar. Um, we go back some years. Uh, um, Omar speaks of you often. I got, like a son, yeah, a I got introduced to uh, this thing with Omar. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like I, when I was in Holmesburg, uh, I slept next to Omar. Me and Charlie Diggs were seven. My, my, my learning how to fight uh, came from Omar. Yeah. And, uh, I ain't bragging, but I was. Well, really I, but I just wanted to put it, put that in, as opposed to some other stuff, you know, yeah, about think his contribution because because this tells you about the type of individual he's, he's, he is. Because I, I, I'm an advocate with a lot of the groups, right. or, or a few of the groups right. that are fighting for pro-eligibility for lifers right. and all. And one of the biggest issues that need to be addressed is, okay, if we let these guys out, what kind of person they're gonna be? Because they're afraid somebody's gonna turn up to be one of the, some, some, do something really crazy right. out there. Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah, well, that's well, the that's name that, of the That was the reason why. And so, uh, so I'm, I'm like trying to show Omar's character is that it, it came from a different place to try to better themselves and prove uh, and be ready for outside to be a contributor instead of a part of right. uh, uh, be a, be a solution was, instead of a contributor. I mean, he really, like, like in the cell, he really focused on the, the messages, teachers do mm, himself. That's right. That do for himself. Yes. And, and really implemented. Yeah. And like, like, since I've been home on the dean's list, I got 3.77 GPA. I'm graduating my bachelor's next year. What are you saying? Um, business administration? Yeah, business administration. You know what I mean? I'm going to school. So you have to, we have to have got to go into business for ourselves. Yeah. History has shown that we are very successful when we go into business for ourselves. I mean, Mr. Omar, it shows, you know what I mean? If he was out on the street, for him to be able to start a gardener program, he could do a film. He's, he's got, got, he's got, he's got uh, certificates in the garden, or yeah. the organic garden well, and, well, and stuff, and he's got the certificate he's just approved. He's got the, uh, the CPR training yeah. that all, what, what was the last piece? He had to do a whole course. Yeah. But that was the last piece that he needed, and they told me they couldn't give it to him because they didn't want him rescuing no guards and, or no inmates because they might be liable if say something, whatever. Like, what? Exactly. So, yeah. so he can't save the life of one of them because, you know. But anyhow, they were able to get past that point, so he's got that certificate now. And so so that's another opportunity for job back. Right. And then, uh, uh, like I said, he's at the 
the managing with the boxing right. off the field. And and uh, the latest thing he's in, he's he's, he's studying now. He told me, uh, is getting a, a certificate to be the people to hold the sign when the traffic now when the traffic oh, got the air, side air, of the road. Uh, yeah, the, tra the, the traffic control. <laughs> so you learn how to do it when the river to slow down. When the, <laughs> mm. Yeah, so uh, that's why I say it's special and uh, it's so much. It's multi multi level layered with uh, his approach to life and and, uh, and he deserves, deserves oh, some of the attention that somebody like a Meek Mills or someone got right. because they they you know in the right place at the right here. time or have a special skill talent and, Make them and so forth and everybody came down to him right. leave no stone up turn trying to communicate with people outside or inside where you find that can give him more knowledge or or, or, or just show the different avenues right. of approach to just change the situation. Right. Because we have, we have, yeah. we have, and that is, he's not stopping once no. he gets turned around because he's got everything in place. He wanted what? From trying to go in, 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 into his Pilates class and, and get lessons from him because they thought, you can't be doing that. Oh, that's <laughs> hard. That sounds like house though. Yeah, <laughs> that, 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 that definitely sounds like house though. Yeah. You know, that's, that's and you're like, man, well, I try to tell you a couple of things to do on the side. Yeah. They had different little issues and stuff. But they're like, you, you can't go in there if you work because out. Because, like I said, there was guys that would come and ask about sounding nerves. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you got Mr. Omar in the corner teaching them different stretches. You know, guys with back problems. These guys were in their 20s, man. He got a guy in his wheelchair, been in the wheelchair for like Yeah, that was, uh, that was a brother, that was uh, Brother Bob. That's who that's who got out of the wheelchair. Yeah. Yep, I was there for he that. Was walking now. <laughs> yep. Mm, crazy. Yeah. Yep, that was my brother too, man. Yeah, I, like I said, I knew a lot of them guys in there, and they they was all they all played a, a very instrumental role in my life and the direction I was going. You know what I'm saying? Just from the talks from having them, hanging out with old brothers and stuff like that. So I got a lot of wisdom instilled in me, man. Yeah, and that's what they wanted to do. Cause really, they really wanted to make a. Uh, a difference in the rate of recidivism. They saw the problems out there in the street, and they a lot of basic uh, concerns were uh, that they weren't out, they weren't able to be out there to help them themselves. Right. So they tried to reach out by right. whatever means that they had, you know, uh, you know, while they were crossing with programs, right. suggestions. Talking to their family members and stuff like that, trying to resolve some of the issues out there because they, a lot of them know a lot of it is a result of them missing from the communities. Right. And I know if I would have had somebody like Mr. Omar coming up or somebody, you know, just like that, I probably would have made smarter decisions. I mean, really, you know, breaking down, you really have to really take time to be critical thinking. I cannot emphasize it enough how much of a pivotal role can change if you take time to think. Decision that you make, man. It only take one second. Your life changes. It only take that one second. You know what I mean? So to bring everything around full circle um, and kind of wrap it up, yeah. it seems like the theme of everything that we talked about is obviously the injustice system, uh, the injustice that Omar has, Mr. Omar has been through. Um, parole for lifers. Right. And also, 
the good that Mr. Omar has done in his life before prison and his life while he was in prison. Well, I mean, like, well, his situation, his situation is not, it's not about guilt, it's about the, it's that, yeah. the injustice. Right. right. I'm saying, so it's not that, you know, it was, it, the, what we're trying to say is that if you're not going to give him the justice that he deserves, that you know that you wronged him, then at least give him the, the justice for the conduct that he's exhibited being incarcerated. Yes. That's what you're to say. Yes. You were, yes, you were it much better. Either, 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 either or get that man is free. That's what you're trying to say. Yes. That's that's all we're trying to say. Mm-hmm. There we go. Okay. Because, oh, I'm sorry, what were you saying? Yeah, I was just going to say one sentence basically because he is an innocent person. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's been incarcerated all these years because right. of that. So he has no guilt or, or like, you know, I made a mistake, did something like that. Right. Know, regarding the situation that has found him incarcerated. And. And and he is the person he was before he mm-hmm. went to this environment, and that's the person he's going to be when he comes home because he's 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 demonstrated that that's that's and he was character. always that good person. You hear the good that's stories. Right. That's right. Before before during yes, and the things he's contributed to outside. You know, even while he's still there. Yeah, I remember uh, he used to uh, I always because I used to make him laugh. I used to have your husband laughing so hard he'd be in tears. Not harder than me because I'd have he has some I big break up laughs. I don't know. I don't know if told room. you about you know about <laughs> in this hell. Probably like, so. we, I used to have him laughing, but I remember <laughs> that, that one of the things though he used to always say he'd always stand up and pull his pants up to pass his own and uh, he'd always be like he'd be like CJ I'm what they call a stand up guy. What makes a man? Oh, okay. You know what I, mean? so I sit there and just listen. I'm like, that's right. And he's like, what? I'm not playing. That's right. You know. Okay. So you know, all those times in the cell, like I said, were great lessons that I actually got to learn and I apply today. So you know, mm-hmm. thank you for that. Mm-hmm. I wanted to because he yep. did kind of cut off a little bit. You okay? Did you just say something? Uh, well, uh, again, something that he developed and what fighters and what promoters do. He needs to be promoted. Mm-hmm. Not right. just for a fight. Boxers are the highest paid entertainers in the world. Can nobody make the kind of money they make in 12 rounds in mm-hmm. one night? Right. So this is, this is uh, he's talking about raising money. And again, this is so historical. And again, we got the commissioner that trusted him. It's not like what happened to Mudman mm-hmm. or Reginald McFadden after they got, you know, right. sentence commuted. Okay, the thing about Pennsylvania is die in prison. Either get the letters changed the numbers, yeah. or you're not coming out. Yeah. So you can't release a dead man. Yeah. So it's all about in the institution. You're a dead man. You're a dead man walking. Mm-hmm. So the things that we're doing now, and like Brother Wazir said, and what his wife knows, and all of us know that uh, we've done so much for so long with so little, we're not qualified to do anything with nothing. And that's where we have to operate from. That's where we have to operate from when it comes to Omar. And uh, it's not like, uh, and again, like we, we got, the, we got the, like he always said, we can't lose, that's another one of his favorite sayings. We can't lose with the stuff we use. Oh, and to me, that's, that, that's oh, something. his prison. Okay. So with this opportunity that you're giving him, and we, you know, we really appreciate it. 
I know how much he appreciates it. And uh, we appreciate it. And so, you know, Jay is on top of things. And we go to him Saturday. We'll be there. Oh, I didn't win his race. Uh, before I leave, I wanted to just say this about yeah. Omar. Um, personally, I'm 58 years of age, just getting out. Uh, and uh, I, uh, I've learned a lot from Omar. Uh, I learned uh, not only about character, uh, but what it is to fight for your freedom uh, when you know that you are an innocent man and people. Um, view you as a demon mm -hmm. because of the nature of the situation itself. Um, but the lives that Omar have um, affected and changed um, numerous young children mm -hmm. uh, who came up you know, uh, through the mentorship, the tutorship, uh, the boxing program. Uh, some have went on to become great parents, great fathers, uh, never returned back to prison. Um, these are individuals um, that have still, to this day, reach out to Omar, his family, um, and for those who don't reach out um, for lack of not having a number, whatever the situation is, because sometimes the system beats you around and they make you get frustrated to the point that you don't even want to be bothered. Um, you know, the long distance that you got to go to see your husband, your uncle, your father, your brother, your cousin, whatever it is Omar is to you. Uh, it's not that they don't care for Omar, it's not that they don't have love for Omar, because at the end of the day, uh, when it comes down to what Ain't we're it? doing now to bring some care to Omar's life, hmm? as well as to try to assist him um, by way of economics, uh, I think that uh, we really need to. Um, Openly, when I say openly, I mean our brain uh, opened up to, to not this Salim or Aquaman or his wife, but you who are sympathetic and understand the compassion and flow and the help of Omar, but to the world. Because this situation that Omar is in prison uh, for uh, was a national situation. So I think that when you deal with it, you can't deal with a national situation with a meeting in a, in a back room. Right. You understand? You got to deal with it the way that it came. It was in the public, and that's the way you got to deal with it. Mm -hmm. The truth don't change. Mm -hmm. Only a lot. And Omar has been fighting for his freedom from day one. You understand? Uh, his rapier, which was, I mean, got a new trial, came home on the street. You understand? Omar had not yet begun to get that opportunity. Okay? And I think that uh, we would do Omar a grave injustice if we would not do this the same way that they've done it nationally, mm -hmm. you have to do it publicly. Yeah. You know, you can't go on the back foot and leave 10 people. We love what you are doing mm -hmm. because you are connecting yourself to thousands of people by talking to me. Mm -hmm. You're connecting yourself to thousands of people when you talk to Ahmed because he's a part of a Muslim community. So we suggested that, you know, uh, Brother Abdul uh, get with the Ummah and say, hey, don't forget Omar. Mm -hmm. Okay, I personally just came back from uh, New York City yesterday, um, and I have spoken with uh, uh, the, the, the Muslims there, the Nation of Islam. Uh, Minister Farrakhan is also aware about of, of Omar's situation. So the only thing I'm saying when I was, uh, with no disrespect, when I was talking about the history, um, you know, I was just being really spreading out the history that people that have been affected by that small form of boxing even those who claim to have been 
some of the roughest of the roughest was affected by Omar's Boxing Association of America. Mm -hmm. Because it was that thought, that mindset that made Bernard Hopkins a professional fighter today. He came through Omar. Mm -hmm. He came through Amin. He yeah. came through that channel. Mm -hmm. And now he makes millions of dollars, even though he retired now. Okay, but they don't talk about Omar. Mm -hmm. They don't talk about but but Smokey, the one who was training him, who was a lifer, is a juvenile like his home now, mm -hmm. on the street. And that same guy that he trained and was helping Omar is on the street right now. And 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 and, 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 and Bernard Hopkins looks out for him, take care of him. You understand? So these are some things that people really don't know. Mm -hmm. And these are some things that sometimes even a wife may not. You understand? Because she has a personal relationship with Omar, and sometimes we as brothers, we got an international relationship uh, with, with our brother because we, uh, we are Muslim. You know, and then for those who are not Muslim, Christian, because there's those who's not Muslim, Christian, white, black, whatever, still supports Omar. You understand? Mm -hmm. So I just think, like I said again, this is a situation where uh, we have to deal with this nationally. You know, when it comes to Omar, because this you and I and this white alone is not going to get Omar on Jedi. Okay, we have seen injustice turn. Mm -hmm. We have seen Meek Mills fight. I was there on the ground. You understand? People say it don't work. That work. Because when you start digging all up in there and stuff start overturning and people start being exposed, they say, wait, wait a minute. Next thing you know, Meek Mills was flying out in the helicopter. Why? Because he caught the minds of the national people. You understand? So when he start getting their attention, they start going to him and say, wait, wait, wait a minute now. Because these people, here we get millions and, and billions of dollars with these people right here. And right. they talking about this little black man that, 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 that injustice. Right. So what, what's how we going to do this? We're going we to do this like this. Let him out. And we'll deal with all the other stuff later. So Mick Mills is out with that. Mm -hmm. The fight ain't over, but he's out of prison. Right. Why? Because when billionaires start people like yourself and other people who start showing concern and start dealing with it nationally. Now you are affecting the situation. So when our men and them go down and they go see Omar, that's personal. Right. They bring back Omar's sentiments. Mm -hmm. Okay, Omar is greatly gratitude for them because they have that brotherhood that Omar um, was used to having. Yeah. You know, that, that connection that he was used to uh, uh, mentoring and receiving in return. Okay, decades has passed since then. And these are the last of the dying breed. But when they die off, mm -hmm. where are we at with Omar? And this is why we have to do this nationally. Yeah. You know, it's like, excuse my language, but it's like impregnating the woman. You know, when you're impregnating, you give them life. And even though you might be gone, but the child is alive and the child passes on and they passes on. So this has to be done nationally for Omar to get his justice. You know, so no matter who you interview, no matter when you interview, always remember that you are now in the fight for as being national. This ain't a small situation. You're going against a national situation when you're dealing with the deep problems. So you have to have love and compassion for Omar. Mm -hmm. There's no other way that you can look at this. You have to be family to Omar, because if not, they're going to smack you out the picture. Yeah. They're going to tell you, miss, are you crazy? See, when you look at the justice system, they have young ladies 
four, five, six, eight people. I drove by City Hall yesterday. Did you see outside City Hall? Yeah. Have you seen it? We weren't here. Drive by there. Is that City Hall? Wasn't Mike Pence here yesterday? Listen, it's people uh, with signs and they camped out there all night protesting. What I'm seeing in this world now, what I'm seeing now is that if any time there's going to be change, now is the time. Because I'm seeing stuff that's going on today I ain't never seen in my 58 years. Did you see City Hall? I, and these ain't, these ain't black people that's out there protesting about injustice. Okay, I'm not trying to do no race card or nothing. These white people. Yeah, These white people that are saying they're being slowed all around to the ground saying about injustice, they tired. Mm -hmm. You see, because now their loved ones is getting caught up in this crap epidemic, the pill epidemic, <laughs> all that shit. Yeah. Now there's a difference. Right. In Pittsburgh, I'm sure you guys heard of Antoine Rose, the young black kid that got shot in the back. And there was a lot of protests down there. And when we saw the pictures, I told Jay, I said, I'm so glad to see that there were white people down there. Yeah. Because... So you won't lean over and fall over the grid that it's a black thing that we're going through. Right, because, because, because it's shit. not. Because it's not. Right. Like, I'm tired of seeing it. And, and, and the thing is, is that, uh, you know, it's, it's good. See, the, the benefit that we have in communicating with you is that we formed an alliance. Mm -hmm. We are your family now. It's right. personal. When it comes down to free and Omar. And the thing is, is that I personally can say that I have went to the Island Minister Lewis Farrakhan and I have spoke to the nation concerning Omar. And I have spoke with that group concerning Omar. And that individual is connected to thousands of other people that is, and I'm trying to deal with it like that. Because when the Dubrow case happened, that's how it was affected. Thousands of world knew, boom, Dubrow killed God, and it was all over everything. I was a child almost. Mm -hmm. But I remember vividly in my brain. So that's the same way we gotta do. When we in this fight for injustice, you gotta be proud enough to stand up and say, I'm fighting for injustice. So if you die today on the wall and your Lord and your Creator ask you, what have you done with your life? What have you done with your wealth? Where have you done with the brain that I gave you to walk this planet for 62 or 82 years? What have you done? What are you going to say? You see? So I'm saying that we have to contribute to something. So when we fight up against injustice, we see more now than any other time. Life was getting out of prison. I'm dealing with it. So that day, so, 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 here it is, a rock mason, a little guy was part of JBM, shot up City Hall. Y'all heard about the thing mm -hmm. City Hall. Okay, well, he's coming home. Why? Because he was a juvenile when he got sentenced to life. Now, they had it all in the paper. They shot up City Hall. Big old case. Shooting up inside City Hall. Come on. But he's coming home. Okay? Look at that Kardashian woman. Uh, she got that woman out, 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 out of jail. You yeah. see? So what I'm telling you, it is people like you that have paved the way that start weighing on the hearts and the minds of those who are sympathetic and can make that decision to say, you know what? I'm going to sign now. No more death penalty. You know, anybody can kill from Pennsylvania. Now, you know what? Look at my man. 
For me, it was fighting. He's on death row. Yeah, he fought, 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 fought. Now he's on death row. Now he's fighting to get out. See, when you got death row, you fight for get life. When you get life, you fight for numbers. When you get numbers, you get you're trying to get him reduced. And I'm saying, when you got to get him reduced, you're trying to get out of jail. So that's where Omar is at. And they all the day, people was getting out of jail, being rappers than anybody. Rapping. So you can't yeah, give up on this fight. I just came from a resentencing here this morning uh, down in Criminal Injustice Center. Um, a young man who's been in there 20, 28 years. So a lot of this going on, a lot of changes are happening. But what you were saying, I, I like what you were saying about the nationalness of it. It's going to take the national movement of overturning this thing uh, for Omar, particularly because of the type of case it was. And, and, and I just want to say to that, that climate and that taste, uh, you know, that involved the, uh, uh, I think it was known as, as the Jewish establishment and the witnesses claimed the, 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 the uh, perpetrators of the crime were black males and that kind of thing. I think the environment. But the thing is, is that the objective, yeah. I believe, in looking at all the, the, the things that happened, it was about getting a conviction. It wasn't about right, right, innocence right. or guilt, finding out who did the crime. Their, their main point was to get a conviction immediately because of the heightness of that profile, high profile, and all that stuff. And so that's why it's, it's got, we've got to basically approach it nationally and get a national movement behind it. And it could be done more today. See, this is yeah, what I was saying to you done. earlier, Dad. See, the heart and the, the kidney and the lung, they're all different organs of the body, but they're part of the same body. It's got different functions. We can't spiritually gain war no more. Like, hey, if you fighting injustice, you might be fighting about Meek Mills. I'm with you. Because, hey, Meek Mills is injustice too. But that same crew, I'm supporting you. Hey, also support me with Omar. Mm-hmm. Hey, what you supporting? You supporting the little boy got killed in, in Pittsburgh? Hey, I'm with you. Right. Hey, but support me with Meek Mills and Omar. Okay? So now you got a group of people. Right. You understand? You got a group of people. And this is why it's so very important that we network today. I mean, you know what I mean? They going up there to see Omar as a vessel. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, 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 it's an information center. You know, you think you, you, you know, he could do a thousand other things with his time, but he want to dedicate his time and his effort going, driving all the way out there to see another brother to help him get out. We're not getting paid for this. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The only thing that we, we, we are getting paid for is the honesty of our Lord. On the day when they come, we say, hey, we, we try to help our brother. That's it. Mm-hmm. And many people I know is going to be sympathetic when they see people like you, white people, involved in this struggle. And the thing is, is it's not going to happen until we start working together. Black, white, men, women, we got to do it together. Like Kardashian, she got that woman out of jail. Right. Hey, and, and the fact of the all it took was a signature. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and like you said, you know, the first one to go all the way to another prison, life travel. Well, you know, all that security stuff and all that stuff, it wasn't even concerned about. So that just show you the mindset. They can do what they want to do when they want to do it. That's it. 
when they want to do it. Big fact, I realize my house, I got a lot of people. So we have to fast in the woods for right now to modern time. You know what the modern time is right now? You being able to have that podcast. That podcast, you know, all over the world. That's like a fin. Like the needle to the head of a fin. You can be from here to Russia in a minute. You can shoot that everywhere. Everybody can see it. So that's what we at in the modern times. And we have to keep thinking like that. We have to keep coming together to build the forces up. Because if we don't, they're going to keep, you know, when you come one at a time. See, strength is the numbers. You got a car. The more you build the numbers up, the more you keep going up the hill, the bigger, the bigger that yeah, thing, that snowball will be. Then when you come down hill, it's going to be smooth. So now, it's the grind to go up the hill. Well, so, you know, we, 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 we just about at the peak of the hill, so we got to get to the top of the hill so we can run down on everybody. So, you know, that's the main thing. That's where we at right now. So we have to be able to work together diligently. Because a lot of that stuff. And what's great about podcasts is you know him. all the information that you're getting on the news. You don't know what to believe because one place is saying this and another place is saying this. And not everybody's doing their own research. Exactly. And it's all what's going to get a headline. You know, what's going to get people to, you know, to listen. So, especially with mine, it's unfiltered. So... I can kind of, we can kind of say whatever we want and put it out there. And it's not scripted. I like, you know, if I, if, if I wanted to do, you know, a show every two weeks about somebody's story about injustice, you know, I mean, you could do a whole podcast about that, you know, and and it's going to get out there. You know, you with social media, you can, you can reach all different people. Yeah. Social media made a comment 
And they were like, that's the first thing that you put. If anybody put anything else, if they were a proud Muslim, a proud Jewish person, or a proud atheist, everybody would have something to say about that. But because he put proud Christian, nobody has a word. But anything else, and, and, and people would attack it. And you know, you're, you're right. But if I were to start saying go around, Say I start going around, everybody came to me and say, well, you're not the real Jews. We're the real Jews. Because the real Jews are black. It's supposed to happen. You know, you go do your research. You know, seven continents. You grew up. This, that, and other. I start turning 30 over stones. They try to get away. Yeah, we got to shut that guy up. But it's the truth. You know, they don't like to deal with the issues. They don't like to deal with the facts. You know what I mean? But they, they, when they talk about Israel, they try to take Israel out of our Africa and put it some places somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And then you start thinking, well, Israel. And people really don't put no thought into it. But when you figure Israel's in the middle of Africa, you say, well, damn. Yeah, and this is, what we, this is what they've been talking about. Hair like wool. You know? Hair like wool. Yeah. You know what I mean? When they get them on TV, we got hair like Brad Pitt. Yeah. When they do the movies, when they call Pharaoh. Thanks for listening to The Pop-Off with Martise. Make sure you like me on Facebook, The Pop-Off with Martise, and follow me on Instagram and Twitter, at Martise M. And Jay, make sure that you follow him on Instagram. It's Asadi, A-S-A-D-I underscore J-J-A-E. And Twitter, J, the letter J, dot Asadi 20. Make sure you're looking out for all his new music. And now I have with the permission of Miss Karen Ali, a radio interview from a show called Heart to Heart on WDAS. It's from 1994 with Mr. Omar's attorneys. So it's going to give you a little bit more of his uh, backstory and all of the injustice that happened to Mr. Omar. So uh, here's that interview. And thanks for listening. We are indeed happy to be able to tell the story of this wonderful gentleman uh, who uh, we know in our hearts has been incarcerated 32 years too long. Now, real, real briefly, can you paint the story of what happened for those out there in Radio Land who might not know the name and might not know the story of Omar Askia Ali? Well, I, I'm going to give just some a brief uh, okay. scenario, but uh, I think I'm going to leave the rest to, uh, his attorney okay. uh, to, to express. Uh, Omar, uh, 32 years ago, uh, was, in, was uh, arrested and charged with a, uh, a crime that occurred in the Philadelphia area. Uh, and uh, he Basically, he's been incarcerated since that time. He has he has uh, been tried, uh, which we feel he's never gotten a fair trial, and and he has been in a state different phases of appeal over the 32 years that he's been incarcerated. Uh, Omar uh, is a family man. He's a, a contributor to the community. He is has been. Uh, is is a business person and he's a good person, and uh, 
the trial that's on appeal now, believe it or not, which was then now 10 years after, that was 10 years after the robbery, 20 years ago, that's the trial that we've been focusing on in the current appeal. Um, that's the, the trial that resulted in his, in his life sentence. Again, the prosecutor's office, district attorney's office in Philadelphia, um, rather notorious in those days, and again, we can hear more about that, um, made sure they had an all-white jury, used all kinds of uh, prejudice and prejudicial uh, techniques uh, focused on race and on religion to uh, poison this jury against the defendants. Very weak evidence um, from, we can talk about the evidence, but and, uh, anyway, uh, but uh, very weak evidence resulted again in a series of appeals um, and when the appeals in state court were finished in 1990, almost 10 years later, he brought his case over into the federal court in Philadelphia. And at that time, the issues were, as they have to be in federal court, constitutional issues. And they are the issues of the racism in the trial. The two principal issues were the procedures by which the prosecutors ensured an all-white jury something that was commonly done in those days, but which, during the course of Omar's appeals, the United States Supreme Court declared to be unconstitutional. Um, and so that became a very prominent issue in his case. And second, this unfair poisoning of the atmosphere of the trial through the cross-examination, the arguments to the jury by the prosecutor's office, focusing on innuendo of race and religion more than on the validity of the evidence. Well, 1992, the case was sent back briefly to state court to hold a hearing, and at that hearing, um, Omar was able to bring out the facts of how that jury was selected, and it, it was a shocking, absolutely shocking story where for the I think only the second time, the actual private notes of the prosecutor were brought out into evidence. At first, she denied that there were any such notes, denied that there was any plan to exclude all the black people from the jury. But um, the defense was able to get not just the Xerox copy of the front page, front of the sides of the pages, that was first brought out, but the backside, the actual copy, which had the handwritten notes of the prosecutor in a, a code, not a very subtle code, that showed that she was keeping track, juror by juror, number by number, of the race of every person that came into that room for jury duty and making sure that that number on the B side got smaller and smaller while the numbers on the W side got uh, larger and larger. So, um, well, I'm not a rocket yeah. scientist or a brain surgeon, yeah. but that sure sounds like an unfair attack to me. Well, it, it certainly did, and it did to the federal judge, because a federal judge in Philadelphia ordered him to be set free unless they gave him a new trial, and that was 1995. But then we had one of these roller coaster situations, one of these horrible reversals, where the appeals court in Philadelphia, the district attorney, took an appeal, uh, they are shameless and will defend absolutely anything. 
and the appeals court uh, ruled that because uh, Omar's lawyer back in 
and the other major themes, as Peter pointed out, of race and religion, which are not evidential, but were made to be evidential by this prosecutor uh, who did select uh, an all-white jury. This uh, is a very disappointing way to try a case because certainly the Commonwealth is entitled to convictions where there is proof and solid evidence and proof beyond a reasonable doubt. But to buttress that proof and the way that this case shows, to buttress it uh, by the use of race and religion to secure a conviction is... uh, as I said, unfair, because neither race nor religion is evidential. It does not go to prove the historical fact of who was involved and who did what. It just plays to uh, the various prejudices of various people. So I do not think Omar got a fair trial. Uh, This is a very bad case, a very, very serious case, And it's the kind of case that we should pride ourselves on providing fair trials for. Uh, That's the promise of the Constitution. And in my opinion, that promise was severely broken in this case. And uh, Omar was not tried on the evidence secured uh, that was supposed to prove his guilt. Or rather, on other things. The uh, practice of selecting an all-white jury was far more common in those days than it is today. Um, apparently, uh, in those days, the DA's office was, candidly, I think, quite uh, quite afraid of black jurors and didn't did not want them to participate in the uh, jury trials of uh, serious cases. I had a case, Charles Diggs, where uh, his conviction, same prosecutor, was reversed. Same reasons, striking black jurors. And in, in Charles had three cases, and in those three cases, it was almost, but not quite, almost a case of every white person was accepted as a juror and every black person was struck. Mm. And that's not just discrimination, that would be total segregation. Yes. Um, and we like to think that we've <laughs> come a long way since then. But uh, the idea of winning at all costs, winning no matter what the price, uh, prevailed far too often in those days. Not, not today, but in those days, uh, that was the, the attitude. And... Uh, Far too often, the price was the fair trial and the price was the Constitution. Far too high a price to pay for a single conviction. Again, you were a prosecutor on the case back then. I prosecuted one defendant, a okay. man named Ronald Bolter. Okay. I did not prosecute okay. Omar, Omar. Okay. or anyone else. But nonetheless, all these years later, here you are, talking about this case, and obviously on the side of of someone who's uh, a lifer in prison, believing that they should have a second chance and uh, believing that their sentence should be commuted or the charges dropped or this man should be set free. Um, That's a commitment on your part. Well, yes. Omar, uh, in my opinion, should be on the street. He should be commuted. Uh He's a very good person. Uh He's a kind person. He's a compassionate person. And 
said 30 years is 30 years. Yeah. Time heals many, many wounds. The fact of the matter is, though, that Omar standing alone uh, would be an asset on the street. And Omar's uh, experience, where he has undergone 30 years of incarceration, uh, and is still able to sing the song of faith and still yeah. able to so calm. be a uh, ingratiating, endearing kind of person, yeah. uh, speaks magnificently to his character and to his uh, composure. We are talking about Omar Askia Ali this morning on Heart to Heart. Uh, Karen Seals is here. His attorney, Peter Goldberger, is here. Mark Schaefer is here. He's a private investigator, and we're going to hear from him as soon as we come back from commercial break. Um, Norris Gelman is here, and we've got another guest or two waiting in the wings, and we're going to get all of them in on the microphone to help tell the Omar Askia Ali story. This is Heart to Heart. I'm Sarah Martin Conley on Sunday morning. Say that this morning as we opened up. It's just that we have such a serious program uh, that we're dealing with right now, talking about a man's life, a good man's life, Omar Askia Ali, and and, and not wanting to see him live the rest of it um, incarcerated because he has so much to offer and so much to give to the community. I believe with everything in me that uh, Omar Askia Ali is someone who has done 32 years of his life in prison for crime he did not commit and had absolutely nothing to do with. As we hear this story unfolding this morning on WDASFM, we're hearing from his attorney, Peter Goldberger, uh, Mark uh, Schaefer, who we'll hear from in just a second, a private investigator now on this case. Norris Gelman is here, who uh, was a former prosecutor and who prosecuted one of the other individuals who was involved with uh, the case that Omar um, unfortunately got involved with through no fault of his own. Uh, then we have waiting in the wings, uh, Umin Abdur Rahim and brother Yasir Kalim. They're also going to tell their part of their uh, relationship to Omar Askia Ali, the support and the love that they have for this man and, and what it is that they're doing to also, uh, in their way, uh, be supportive in this effort to get him free. At this time, let us go to uh, Mark Schaefer, private investigator. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning, sir. I first became involved only a few years ago. Omar was uh, already in prison and was uh, handling his appeal and pretty much needed somebody on the street to run out leads and find information for him and just gather the data that he could use uh, in the appeal on certain points. And a scenario, an agenda uh, that occurred when he was first arrested uh, seemed to blossom in front of me. It seemed that at the time of the arrest uh, of Omar so many years ago, the city of Philadelphia, uh, or at least the, uh, the political end of the city of Philadelphia, was in horrid fear of uh, the Muslims who you would see on uh, Broad Street handing out papers, wearing business suits and white shirts. And Omar represented that establishment that uh, the city, both uh, the police department and the political uh, arm, feared. 
And Omar, in addition to being a respected businessman at the time, was very, very active in trying to get the Philadelphia youth off of narcotics. Active enough that he would go out on the street and go one-on-one -on -one with the corner drug dealers and the pushers. The police officer who was involved with the arrest of Omar subsequently was arrested for shaking down and apparently protecting the very pushers that Omar was trying to get off the street. A fellow by the name of uh, William O'Brien, who has since been convicted, did his time, and was let out. As I investigated the um, political background of the situation in the early 1970s, O'Brien and many of the other people involved, it's apparent that the initial arrest may not have been prompted by a crime being committed at all. But as a target in a corrupt organization that needed to be removed, sort of like watching the uh, Sopranos on television, which is if you are operating a business and you're not making the profits you want, the best thing to do is remove your competition. And it appears that Omar may have been the competition of drug dealers and corrupt policemen and was removed as a business dealing. Uh, many of this is well, well documented by nothing more than going into the archives of the Philadelphia Daily News or the Philadelphia Inquirer or pulling public records. And my interviews seem to support this sort of ancillary occurrence of uh, political power and corruption as being part of why Omar uh, went down on the case originally, as opposed to actual evidence. Uh -huh. Very interesting. That's another twist. So um, what else can you do at this point uh, from an investigative standpoint to try and solidify uh, some current evidence to uh, hopefully help and, and free him? Not that much. In my trying to get people to come forward, after even all these years, yeah. after all these years, even though technically they have very little to lose, uh, they don't want to open up these old wounds. They're back in the community, particularly the police officers who uh, were caught and went to prison. They they couldn't admit it then what they did. They, they can't admit it now. Uh, most of what they admitted uh, back then when they, when they did go down uh, under the uh, Corrupt Organizations Act and various other uh, crimes, uh, they had a variety of excuses, some of which probably were true, that in addition to shaking down the dealers, that they were also uh, uh, users of narcotics. So now you have... Not only are they getting the money from the dealers, protecting the dealers, pocketing the money, but actually using the product. And Omar was something that they did not want to tolerate as interfering with this uh, uh, business endeavor. Uh, 
Mm, very interesting. We're going to ask that Moomin Abdul Rahim come on and join us on the microphone at this time as well uh, to talk about Brother Omar Askia Ali. And on the line, I have Brother Howard. Let's get Brother Howard in there because he is on the phone line and we don't want to hold him too long. Uh, Brother Howard, we bid you good morning, sir. Uh, yes, ma'am. Good morning. Peace and blessings. Peace and blessings. Uh, yes, uh, I, I knew Brother Omar, you know, uh, back in the days, and I went to visit him not too long ago. But I'm just saying that uh, as far as I'm concerned, you know, he has uh, set a good example of rehabilitation. You know, and, um, and he needs uh, supporters, you know, so they can uh, help and assist him to uh, come out again. Now, this brother was in his late 20s. I imagine when he was arrested, we're talking about 31 years ago. When I went to see him not too long ago, he had, you know, the, the gray hair and that sort of thing. But he's a, uh, dedicated to maintaining faith in God, you know, and realizing that some good people are still out here to help him. You know, he was telling me the uh, the uh, attorney, I mean, any kind of donation that you have for his defense fund is a Mr. Peter Goldberger, Esquire, and a uh, 50 Rittenhouse Place, Ardmore, Pennsylvania, 19003-2276. Again, his defense fund attorney is Mr. Peter Goldberger, Esquire, 50 Rittenhouse Place, Ardmore, PA, 19003-2276. Uh, telephone number is 610-649-8200. Telephone number is 610-649-8200. All right, Brother Howard, we appreciate what you're doing. Um, uh, we do want people to make contributions to um, Omar Askia Ali's Defense Fund, most definitely, and they can send those uh, checks, those uh, contributions, and made out to Peter Goldberger, Esquire, and mail it to the address that you gave. We don't need the phone calls, though. Yes, <laughs> we, yes, won't, we won't give out his phone number oh, anymore. Oh, okay, I'm but, sorry. Uh, but that's but, okay. We appreciate your call. Can I say just one more yes, thing? Yes, yes. Uh, there's a Reverend Wells, you know, at one day at a time. That's my I, president. Yes, yes. That's my hero as far as along the lines of rehabilitation. Here's a man to turn his life around. And when in one of the southern states, he too at one time was facing a, uh, you know, a life or, or death. And, and here's a man that got his life together. He done set example. He done helped thousands of individuals get off drugs and get their lives together. And I call that the grace of God. And I really believe that Brother Omar Skiali needs this opportunity to get out here and show that he's really dedicated to have faith and doing positive things out here in our community. Brother Howard, thank you so much for calling in this morning and for joining us on the air. Do have a blessed day. Bye-bye. Um, unbelievable. We've got like all of our lines just about lit up, Brother Omar. I know you are up and listening right now out there. On a, on a racist and unfair trial. And the, the point that was made a few minutes ago is, is such an important one, is that we have a cruel legal system in Pennsylvania of life without parole for people who have been convicted of murder. Uh-huh. And uh, this is not the way the law is in most states. Um, so that you were convicted 30 years ago, and even if you were a bad person, which Omar was not, but 
even if you were, or even if you were not a bad person, but you did a terrible thing. You can never be released alive from prison in the state of Pennsylvania unless your sentence is commuted. And we need to change the law in Pennsylvania of life without parole. We need parole for lifers, and we need a working clemency system like we just learned, heard about in Illinois where the, the, yeah. the governor used his clemency power on for the death row inmates who'd been unfairly convicted. Um, we need to change the laws in Pennsylvania. Um, and I know Omar supports that. He does not put himself above and apart from people who may have been justly convicted, but who have served so much time and should be coming home. And uh, Mr. Norris Gelman, a final thought that you can leave with our listening audience, sir. Yeah, on Peter's uh, theme here, the major tenets of all religions uh, involve the fact that people can and do change. People can be redeemed, they can be salvaged. People, uh, changing is the major theme in psychiatry and psychology. And it's just wrong for our law to say people will never change, we will keep them incarcerated in a cage for the rest of their lives. When the law says that, as Pennsylvania does, uh, it negates and denies the basic principles of our religions and uh, psychiatry, psychology, and every other uh, endeavor where people are assumed and believed to uh, be able to undertake and make great changes. Thank you for sharing those thoughts. Um, Brother Yasir Kaleem, please come up to the microphone. We got to hear from you as well. He is smiling this morning, and uh, I can see the love and support that you have for Brother Omar Aski Ali. Good morning. Good Thank morning. you for having me here. Thank you for being here. Uh, I just want to testify to Brother Omar's character, and uh, I'm going to use Mr. Norris Gelman's words. He said that Omar was kind and compassionate and deserved to be back in society. And I think that's a far cry. I can only imagine the words that were used to get Brother Omar convicted. Mm. And we have to look at this. You know, someone that has served 31 years and someone who was part of the district attorney's office at that time is now saying Brother Omar is kind and compassionate. And I have to testify to that. Mm. And that's a far cry from the lock them up and throw away the key mentality that society has right now. And I believe if Omar was home with us, he would be an asset to the community. I believe that as well. Um, Karen Seals Ali, the wife of Omar Askia Ali, um, coming back to the microphone to really wrap this piece up for us. Um, real briefly, Karen, what yeah, would you say? I just briefly want to say thank you, Thea, for remembering and supporting us for over the years. Also, I want to recognize the excellent work of Peter Goldberger and also that he extended his services to us with a reduced rate. So I would gladly like to present this check that was given to me by the CAP to him and more will be uh, coming to, to you. Electric acid. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. 
Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for Season 2 of the Wanna Bet Podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that Season 2 starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wanna Bet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. No more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric acid. Electric acid.